This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP in Kansas City. We're here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I look forward to doing this radio show each week because we talk about mindsets. We talk about attitudes. We talk about you. You know, I delve into an area of sports most typical sports talk shows don't talk about, and that's the psychological side. And for the past several years, I've been receiving emails from an individual named Brad Sweeten, who is the athletic director at Center High School in Kansas City. Brad, good morning. How are you? Morning, Dr. Jacobs. Fine, thank you. I know you're up in Iowa. You've been attending a wedding, so I very much appreciate you taking the time to get up early. I'm sure you're up dancing to what, two or three in the morning last night? Well, my dancing shoes don't go that late. So, <laughs> <laughs> we got to hit the bed early last night. Well, but I want to thank you for getting up and, and talking with us this morning. So let's talk about this situation first. You, you've been on with me before. You and your assistant athletic director were here last year. We had a great conversation. You called me after listening last week because why? Because it's very concerning that um, name-calling and negative um, coaching still exists um, in this day and era where um, we try to build kids up, try to put our best foot forward for kids, and it just is um, mind-boggling that somebody could be using, to me, those are bullying tactics on kids. Well, but the fact is, Brad, it does happen. And, you know, it's interesting. Back when I was younger, I'm going to be 65 here in a couple months, coaches talk that way. Now, not that it it should have been acceptable, but it was. But obviously, we are much more sensitive today to human rights, to people's uh, being respectful to people. But when you have a coach doing that, and people know about it, because not only... Did that young man and his mom tell me about it? But I was with a friend last Friday night, and she told me, oh, yeah, my son goes there. Everyone knows about that. So it's it's obviously not something isolated, Brad, that's going on. So what do you do then? You're, you're an athletic director at a high school. You hear that a coach is verbally abusive to kids. What are you going to do? Take us through the process. Well, number one, I would be disappointed that that coach isn't policed more by my other coaches because those are things that aren't said in my program. So it's, to me, it's kind of what the culture accepts. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's other coaches at that school that are somewhat like that. So it's what the culture accepts. You know, the culture sets from the top down 
in a district. And to me, from the top down is whatever I accept. And so if my other coaches aren't policing that coach themselves, like saying, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that, then I would want that person, I would want that parent at my front door the next day, and we would handle the situation. Okay, so here's why, in my opinion, this doesn't happen. It's a four-letter word, and it starts with F. It's called fear. There's fear by parents, there's fear by kids, there's fear by other coaches, other people to say something. Parents are afraid to say something because they don't want to, well, first of all, let's start with the young man or woman. They don't want to say anything because they don't want to jeopardize, A, their playing time, B, the fact that they they could be kicked off the team, C, whatever opportunity they have to, to continue to play in the future. Parents are afraid because they don't want to get involved, they don't want to, they don't want to cause a ruckus or a scene, Okay. And I think other coaches, other people are afraid because they don't want to cause a problem. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes, sir. But it, I also think that if the adults are there to protect the children, you know, high school sports in the long run, uh, it's maybe bad of me to say aren't that important. We're trying to teach kids life lessons. Well, I'm glad you said that, Brad, because that is what it should be about. I mean, look. They are important from one perspective that they're teaching kids life lessons about a lot of things. But it's really about the, the experience and having fun. I mean, the percentage of kids who play high school sports who go on to play collegiately is not that big. And then going on professionally is minimal. So the experience should be about the experience in the high school level, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So when you have a coach who's doing this and nobody says anything... You're an athletic director, so you let's say you found out about this. What would you do? How would you handle it? First, I would have. I, first, I would get some uh, written statements from parents or students. Um, not not just going to the student that reported that, um, or a parent that reported that. I would talk to more people. Um, second, I would have that coach in my office, um, and if that was true, uh, that coach would not be coaching at my school again. So you would be very assertive in what you do? Yes, sir, because that sets the culture for what we're going to what we're going to um, uh, have out there representing our school. All right, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew K. Jacobs. My guest this morning is Brad Sweeten. He's the athletic director at Center High School here in Kansas City. And we're talking about an abusive coach. We talked about last week on the show who calls kids' names. He's a basketball coach, calls kids' names, calls them retards and F-ups. And Brad's been kind enough to join us this morning and talk about this. We'd like to hear from you. If you're a parent, you've been concerned about your kids, coaches' behavior, how they're talked to, how they're treated, give us a call. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes 
about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio. 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week if we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Today's topic is this. I'm discussing an incident that happened here at a local high school where 
a high school basketball coach has been calling kids on his team names, derogatory names. And joining me on the phone this morning is Brad Sweeten. He's the athletic director at Center High School here in Kansas City. He heard the show last week and wanted to call in and discuss things. So, Brad, let's get back to this. You, the purpose of high school sports is what, in your opinion? What What's the goal? Well, uh, we're te- I want to say the words life lessons, but we're teaching kids, you know, perseverance, you know, teamwork, stuff that um, they need um, to go out and in the business world or to go out and have a happy family or to go out and be successful in life. So why do some people take it too far? Uh, I don't know if that answers trophies or we right now we get a lot of parents saying my kids got to get a college scholarship they got to they've got to um uh, find a way to pay for college we get a lot of that when the when you have a parent that really pushes a kid hard like that or i don't want to say push the kid hard because i think coaches should push kids hard but not in that derogatory way well, I agree with you 100%. You know, we see situations all the time at the collegiate level. And we can take the NCAA tournament last year when Tom Izzo went verbally ballistic on a freshman basketball player and his team. Now, Michigan State has had their share of problems, obviously, with Larry Nassar and other things that have gone on there. Tom Izzo's been around forever. And if you're going to go play for him or get recruited by him and agree to play for him, you're going to know that's the type of coach he is at the college level I'm not saying I agree with it, but if you're going to go there, you know that's what you're walking into, right? So that's a different yes, situation. Yes, sir. Okay. You know, public high schools take kids, you know, every kid that comes to us, you know, no matter who they are. Okay. So when you have kids who need discipline, so let's go the other, other direction here. You have kids on teams that need to be pushed, that need to be challenged, that need discipline. Some people think, being hard on them like that is the way to do it. I think it doesn't start that way. I think, you, it, 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 in my opinion, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. I've said that many times. So I think when a coach has to talk derogatorily to a kid like that, I think they've got an ego issue. What do you think about that? Uh, I would completely agree because they're making it more about them. The coach is making it about themselves. Um We've always found out that a lot of time. well, I would say 90% of the time, coaches coach the way they were coached. So it's hard to break that um, mindset sometimes with coaches. Well, can't, can't coaches learn? Can't they grow? Can't they change? Oh, very much so. We, we found out at center when we started – we started something we call the positive coaching community. Right, we, I want to talk about. It. I want to get into that with you. But go, go ahead. We started when we started that. Um, we found for a couple years, maybe three years, we got pushback from coaches saying, "You know, you can't coach like this. That's not the way I do it." Well, um, get, if you don't mind, be specific and tell us what you mean. Tell us uh, some scenarios. What what came up when you first got into this? Well, I'm just going to say that the old time. Co- and I don't want, that's a bad word to use, the old-time coaches. But the old-timers said, you know, you can't push kids hard by using positive words. Or, 
you know, my belief is if a kid does something wrong, they didn't do it wrong on purpose. Well, now, come on, Brad. I mean, they missed the free throw on purpose just so the team would lose. They dropped the pass or, you know, did something wrong. I mean, that's that's exactly right. A kid who's playing in a, in a game, I mean, I'm not going to say everybody has never done that, but more than likely they're not doing it on purpose. But go ahead. Go ahead. My my feeling is if a kid misses a ground ball, you know, that coach should be telling him to keep your head up. And then maybe after practice you're staying and hitting – 50 more ground balls to the kid trying to, you know, if that kid's interested in getting better like that, I, you know, you, and you should be building the kid up. So the next time the ground ball comes to him, he's not scared to death that you're going to be calling him a name for it. So let's go back to when you first started at center and, and brought in the positive coaching belief. Tell us what, what kind of resistance you had and how you handle it. Well, and it may be push- an example of how somebody changed. We had pushback from coaches. Uh, and I don't want to say every coach, but some coach, some coaches bought in on day one and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what I believe we should do, and and moved on with it. Um, some coaches had that attitude of, um, okay, I'll just hang in there, and soon this will go away like a lot of other things do in life. You know, it, it'll disappear because it gets too hard. And then we had some coaches that didn't change and didn't want to change, and over the years, we have either made that change for them or those coaches just figured out it wasn't going away and got uncomfortable and moved on. Did you have to let anybody go? I have let maybe two coaches, three coaches go over my 12 years of being the athletic director. Okay, can you tell us why? Um, one was derogatory remarks, kind of like um, what we were talking about this morning. Okay, let's let's talk about that. So how did you find out about that, and, and, and what happened? Um, I had a parent come to me and talk pretty much exactly like what we're talking about this morning. Um, I'm not, And I'm also not saying that a bad word can't come out in the heat of battle, but when it's directed to a, specifically to a kid, that's, good, that's damaging to a kid. And see, some people are going to say, "Oh, come on! You you got to be tough here. You got to take it. You can't call well, my. You can call my son a name. He can. My daughter a name. They can handle it, right?" I'm 60 years old. I've been coached by a lot of people, and I've been coached both ways. And I know what the way I responded to coaches. So, so, you, I know that so go ahead. Ways to, there's ways to push a kid hard without name-calling, without being derogatory toward that kid. Well, I agree 100%, but, you know, you're going to get that from some people. So you had that situation, and you had a coach calling some kids' names, just like we're talking about today. So you brought the coach into your office. What would you do? How'd you handle it, and did you give him a second chance, or what tells the scenario? Because I think a lot of people are listening, going to listen to the podcast of this show, are going to want to know about this, because this is something that's going to help them as a parent. Because I guarantee you there are a lot of people who listen to this show, who have had this issue and don't know what to do. So go ahead. Well, I had a conversation with that coach. I sat down. I said, you know, I'm not going to have him in my office and me yell and scream and do the same thing he did. I had a conversation with the coach. You know, does this happen? Does this go on in your program? And um, um, that coach said, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I go too far. Um, I push, you know, I'm pushing kids, trying to push them with words and um he 
he ended up saying that he did it. Uh, but I also believe in second chances. You know, I believe in giving kids a second chance. I believe in giving adults a second chance because we can change. But when the second chance didn't work out the way I thought it should, and he went back to doing the same thing, that's when we parted ways. So you gave him basically a, a chance to be aware of his behavior, what he was doing, and the change, and then he didn't. He did not, and so we we moved on from. So, how, from so that did case. you call him back in? I mean, what you just take us through what you did? So you called him back in your office and said you're gone. I mean, what, how'd you how'd you deal with that? I called him back in and asked him if it's been happening again. And when he admitted so, I told him I thought we needed to move on. And how did and, he react to that? But my authority also doesn't. Um, I just take care of the coaching jobs at our school. Now, I don't, you know, he was still a teacher in our building, you know. Um, but then at the end of the year, he moved on because he tried to find something else in coaching. Okay, so how was that? How was that handled by other coaches and teachers at the school? And was this? And this was mid-season. Um, yes, sir. It was in season. Okay. So how was that handled by the other people? You know, how, what was the reaction you got from other coaches or or parents? Well, from most of my coaching staff, they were relieved because I think at the time, I think that they knew and um, the situation had been taken care of. And, there, and if, if I can interject right there, Brad, see, that, that's my hope. They were relieved because they were scared to say anything. They were scared to do anything. And that's that fear thing that I mentioned before. People are afraid to speak up. They're afraid to say something because they don't want to put themselves in the middle of it. They don't want to jeopardize the situation. And I think this is this is a lot more. I mean, do you think this is a lot more common amongst high school teachers and coaches in terms of fear of saying something than, than maybe maybe I'm I'm bringing up? Well, I think so. I think I think um, um, stuff happens that, of course, I don't know about because I don't go to every practice or every game. But it's um, to me by doing that with the, that coach, I'm setting the culture to what's going to be. Um, tolerated and I'm not going to tolerate that kind of behavior. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? 
I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Thanks for joining our show, the Sports Psychology Hour, from our flagship station, Sports Radio. 810WHB here in Kansas City. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's an athletic director here in the Kansas City area at Center High School, and he's been kind enough to join us on the phone after attending a wedding last night. And uh, he's here because he listened last week to the show where we talked about the high school freshman basketball player whose coach calls kids derogatory names on his team, calls them retards and F-ups. And Brad was upset about that enough to give me a call this week and wanted to come on and talk about it. So, Brad, let's let's talk about parents, okay? You've been an athletic director for a long time. You've had to deal with probably, I'm guessing, every kind of parent at some point. 
What's your philosophy on parents, on parents talking to coaches, the relationship, when they should get involved, when they shouldn't get involved, when a kid has a problem? When should that young man or woman take the, the responsibility to talk to the coach instead of have their parents do it? Uh, I agree with, like you said, it's hard for a kid to maybe approach a coach, but there's different things about, there's different ways to do that. Um, if, to me, if you're going to talk a coach about playing time, um, I would like the parent, sometimes the parent comes and talks about playing time, the parent, the kid, the coach. Um, and even I've been included in that conversation at times. But if you have an honest conversation with a parent in front of a kid about playing time, usually the kid would agree with what the coach's decision is. You know, did you miss practice? Did you miss, are you, you know, are there other kids in front of you? You know, but high school is different, a different animal because, you're trying to build up kids and not tear them down. That's it's a fine line to walk. Well, and doesn't doesn't the winning also come into play with this too? I mean, let's face it: high school coaches, you want to have the experience, but they also want to win. I mean, you don't want to go out in a football game, basketball game, and say, "Well, we want to lose today." They want to win, so obviously, there's that component that plays a role. So. They're going to sit there and say, well, your son or your daughter isn't as good as somebody else. That's why we have them play. So for me, I think it starts with the preseason meeting, right? And and a coach having a preseason meeting with the, the kids and the parents, and I think the parents should be involved in this, where the coach sets up his or her guidelines for the season. Here are my expectations. Here are the goals. Here's what I want as far as conversations with you as parents about when a, a coach may feel it's appropriate and inappropriate for a parent to come talk to them. I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, I completely agree because um, that coach sets the tone. I mean, if you have uh, rules to follow on your team, and um, there's also kind of rules for parents to follow. Um, but I, I will just tell tell you that we've had parent meetings where the parent doesn't come and that doesn't mean they don't care about their kid, but they could be working a second job or they could, you know, be out of town, whatever. Right. Yeah. But, um, so they're not there. Excuse me. So they're not there. They don't hear all this. And then they're the ones who maybe then confront the coach. So what's, what's the best way to handle that? What do you suggest the coaches to do with that? I would suggest the coach schedule an appointment with me and the, and the, parent and we sit down and have an honest conversation about um the program the student themselves and um i'd love to have that kid in the in the room too so you involve the the young man or woman as well yes sir okay have you ever had any situations like that have gotten somewhat heated uh very much so from a parent Okay, can you share with us how you hand, what happened and how you handled that? Because, like I said, we're talking about this, Brad, this morning because, you know, our show is, is rebroadcast in cities around the country. The show's podcasted. I guarantee you there are people out there listening right now and people listen to this show who have this problem and they don't know what to do. 
So what do you tell them? Well, number one, if if a conversation became heated, I would be done right then because nothing can be accomplished with temper flaring. So give us an so, example when you mean by heated. What, what would that be? Um, a parent's, parent yelling at a coach, a parent yelling at me, um, because when to me when people start um, being heated like that or barking back and forth, then you quit listening, and you might as well be done with the whole conversation right then and and not let it go any farther. So when you've had a situation like that before, you, did you just tell the parents to leave, or what? What did you do? Uh, the meetings were meetings done. Um, I'd like to reschedule another meeting with you. And if if it came to uh, having somebody higher up than me in the in the room, I would do that too. So who's higher up than you if you're the athletic director? Well, I still report to people. I still report to uh, assistant superintendent, um, people in our central office, superintendent himself. And and have you had to have that happen before? I've had uh, parents that would would schedule their own meeting with a superintendent, and then I would be included in that too. So all this comes down to Brad about communication, and about people being straightforward and honest, and setting up a good communication. I think channel from the beginning of a season as a coach. So a coach's responsibility is to, to, you know, like I said, a coach has to be a psychologist. They have to understand the kids on the team and the parents. Why are those kids there? What do they want? What are their goals? And then you've got to have a, a scenario to be able to talk to the parents as well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Having a stimulating show this morning, my guest is Brad Sweeten, the athletic director, director at Central High School here in Kansas City. If you're a parent, you're a coach, you have a question, you want to give us a call, you've ever had a problem with a coach, you're a parent, here's a guy to talk to. He's the athletic director at a high school. He knows how to handle the situation. I, I think a really good coach, I said earlier, is a good psychologist. What I mean by that is a good coach is going to take the time to get to know the kids they're coaching. Why are you here? What are your goals? What are your expectations? What do you want to do? You know, a lot of kids are going, well, I want to play. We'd like to win. We want to be successful. I want to learn something. Okay. I mean, those are pretty much the common things we're going to hear, right? And so I want to be part of a team. I want to enjoy the experience. I want to have fun. And if you're not experiencing that because you have a coach who is derogatory or degrading or insulting, let's face it, a lot of high school kids aren't going to say anything because they're going to be scared. But that's why I think a good coach is going to take time to do that. But I think when you find out about this stuff, You've got to be able to speak up, and that's where parents need to be able to come in. And I'm assuming you've had parents come into your office before and tell you things about coaches that maybe you didn't want to know. Well, I guess you did want to know, but maybe you didn't want to know were going on in one sense. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, you don't want to hear those words when you think you're running this um, uh, model uh, program and then somebody comes in and tells you that it's not quite the way you think it's going to it's the way the way you think it's going. Okay, so 
Parents, and we'll get into this in our next segment. I want to talk about parents. Parents, a, a lot of parents are reluctant to get involved. A lot of parents want to get over-involved. And so your job as an athletic director is to try to figure that, all that out and how to handle it the right way. And I know some coaches have good philosophies about parent behavior, when to talk, when not to talk. Some coaches have attitudes about parents don't talk to me. So I want to get into that in the second half of our show and get your thoughts on this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's the athletic director at Center High School here in the Kansas City area. We're talking about coaches who are verbally abusive and could be physically abusive as well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. 
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show, the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Here in Kansas City, my guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's the athletic director at Center High School here in Kansas City. And we're talking about coaches who can be abusive, how to handle it, how to deal with it. And uh, Brad's been kind enough to join us this morning. Brad, let's go to the phones. we got a call. Let's see what Adam has to say. Adam, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing this morning? Great. Thank you for calling in. Absolutely, man. I wanted to weigh in. Uh, I am uh, 20 years out of high school. Uh, I wrestled uh, high school and college. Uh, it's a different world we live in uh, from 20 years ago, you know. Uh, we would uh, get pumped up by, you know, hey, don't be a wimp, don't be a coward, get out there. And for men, or for young men, that is, um, you know, for myself, anyhow, it, it, it lit a fire. But in today's day and age, I'm a life coach uh, currently, and uh, I work with kids. I work with kids that, um, you know, might have a, a problem with, with prescription drugs um, or, or or drugs that, that are illegal. And I work with them to build them up. It's all about community. It's all about communication. And I truly feel that any person, any adult, that would reprimand uh, a child or, or even an, another person with name-calling, they, they got to go. It, it's over. It's got to be done because uh, you, you can't have that. It, it's all about uh, having a positive influence because, you know, as, as leaders in society that we're at today, if you can't be a positive leader, if you cannot be a positive role model for these children coming up, then, then, then what's your place? And, and I believe that your place has got to be somewhere else. Uh, if you can't handle yourself and then teach uh, the future of our kids exactly what we need to do and how we need to, to do it and walk that line, um, they got to go. I mean, Brad, Brad, how do you uh, feel about what Adam's saying there? Well, I completely agree with him. In, in this day and age where um, numbers are down in every sport, athletically like nationwide the trend is down kids don't want to be involved and to me that's part of the coach's personality Uh, what i'm most proud of at center is our participation numbers are higher than they've ever been and to me that's getting good coaches in there that are positive with kids absolutely so so let me ask you something adam you said you had a wrestling coach who would call you a coward or a wimp, okay? Yeah, right. Okay. And then another choice words, and and it's the p word, and and I'm not going to say it because I, you know. No, I, don't I, don't say it. But we know what it is. All right. So so yeah, let me ask course, you this question: how, how has that affected you now, 20 years later? Because obviously you still remember it. And this is my point: this stuff sticks with you. And when you're, you know, I talk all the time about confidence on this show, building confidence, how you build confidence. I work with Olympic athletes and professional athletes. I've worked with world champions, and they have all told me situations where this stuff has weighed on them for years. Okay, so how did this affect you? How does it still affect you today? Because obviously you remember it. Well, so for myself, um, you know, and, and I was never... I was never hindered by a name call because I, I'm, I'm confident enough to know who I am. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, for, 
it lit a fire for me, you know. If it, I, I can remember one situation where I, I would say, man, get out there, you know, you got this, Adam, what's your problem? And boom, you know, that one word um, ticked me off enough to I, I got on the mat and 30 seconds later I won the match. And, and that was good, fine, whatever. And, you know, the coach looked at me. He had tears in his eyes, and he was, I'm proud of you, kid. And I understood what he was doing when he was doing it. But there again, it's a different day. It's a different world. Um, Name-calling is not fair. My girlfriend's in the Air Force, and I respect this woman. I mean, she's she's the toughest woman. She, she's tougher than most men out there. I mean, she drops and does 50 push-ups like it's cool. And, and you know, where we're at today, once again, it's all about the positive leadership man the authentically real man is a strong leader and you know name calling is is just it's taboo it it should not be allowed on any level on any platform whether it be sports whether it be professional whether it be you know hell we just saw Antonio Brown look what this guy did he had the world by the horns and because of his attitude he's out you know i mean that's the kind of uh, leadership and the role model these kids are looking up to, and, and it's just not a right situation. And we've got to have bigger men to step up to show these kids exactly what it's like to be a true leader in society, uh, in, in, in a coaching profession, and, and, and as a family man. Now. Well, Adam, that's why that's why I've got Brad Sweeten on with us today, because I think he fits these qualifications and categories, what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you for your call, sir. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Hey, yeah, thanks, you guys. Okay, take care. You know, Brad, that that is why I have you on, because you, you have taken a stand here. You have a philosophy, a belief in what you're doing, and it's working, okay? And, you know, what, I, what I've heard from you today is that you are not afraid to confront this stuff as an athletic director. You're not afraid to give people second chances when they're screwing up. You're not afraid to deal with the issues. And I think more people need to be have the guts to do that. So I want to commend you on that. And, you know, I, listen, your goal as an athletic director, tell everybody, what is it? Why do you do it? Um, I do it for kids. Um, if it ever becomes about the adult, we're, we're doing it wrong. Um, we're trying to build kids up, uh, make them better kids, make them better men and women, um, to be good parents, um, and to live happy lives. Um, and never trying to tear a kid down. And the feedback you're getting from people over the, the dozen years you've been there now is what? A positive for the way we do it. Like I just said, our our participation numbers are are sky high at center, and I think that that's because kids want to be around our coaches and kids want to be coached um, positively. I think that negative attitude is chasing kids away. Well, I want to thank you for everything you do as an athletic director because you are leaving a positive impact on kids, parents, coaches, people. And that's why I wanted to have you on today. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Go get some sleep now since you uh, had that wedding last night. And I want to thank you so much for, for just, just doing what you do. And, and, Brad, if people want to get a hold of you, I know you have an email you send out all the time. I get it every day. Tell people how they can reach you, how they can get on your email list. 
You can always uh, get on my positive coaching community email list by sending me an email, and I'll add you to that list. And my email address is bsweeten, S-W-E-E-T-E-N, at center.k12.mo.us. And I'd love to share anything I know about it. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate what you do. And continue good luck, and obviously we'll be in touch. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Jenkins. Okay, take care. You know, this show is live here in Kansas City from 6 to 7 a.m. every Sunday. The show is podcasted on the WHB website. You go to 810WHB.com and click on additional programming, and you'll find my show. You can find my show at my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. Go to the podcast page. I want to encourage you as a parent to get coaches to listen to this show. As a coach, I want you to encourage parents to listen to this show. I want you to let kids listen to this show, especially today's show. Because I think what we talked about today is something, it's so important. It's so important because you know what? It's about developing kids. Yes, you want to win. Nobody goes to play a game. I, I want to win every time I walk onto a quarter in, in a competition. But I want, most importantly, to enjoy myself, have fun, and grow and learn. And that's what this should be about. It should be about having fun, about that experience. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. You can get a hold of me several ways. On Twitter, at at DRJ Sports Psych, at DRJ S-P-R-T-P-S-Y-C-H. My website, as I said, is winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at DRJ at winnersunlimited.com. Or you can also give me a call at my office. That number is 816-561-5556. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? 
Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.